Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Layered Butter. This is Rodrigo Cockting. Hey, I'm Rafael Cordero. And we have another great episode for you guys this week. Before we get started, let's do our quick housekeeping stuff. We closed up our pre-order stuff for Christopher Nolan. What that means is basically that we reached the minimum number that we need to go to print. And we're going to be sending some emails out to the people that purchase so that they, so that you have your chance to add your name to the back of the book. And then after that, we'll start finalizing the book to send it over to the printer. On that topic, I wanted to offer a bit of a more of a general update on what's going on with the rest of the issues. We've had some questions. Modern Horror and the James Bond book are still a bit off from achieving that minimum uh, amount that we need for us to be viable to go to print. We'll get there. But we'll get there. Uh, I'm confident. (laughs) I'm optimistic. Ghibli, we're still hard at work. We should have some big updates for you later this month. Raf, is your article wrapped up? Are you... It's ready to go, man. It's, go. It has a nice bow on it. It's going to be beautiful. I'm excited. Yeah, I have one in this issue, too. So hopefully that should be a good one. One last thing. Make sure you head over to patreon.com slash layered butter. Um, Patreon allows us to have a better sense of our costs, of our incoming uh, money coming in. And it helps us go to print a lot faster with the other issues. So if you can, if you can support us, please head over to patreon.com slash layered butter. So with all that being said, Raf, let's get started with this uh, our episode this week. Today we have a good friend of the pod, star of your short film, Stillness, and overall great film dude, Mike Benequista. Hey Mike, how's it going? It's good, man. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm excited for this. This is going to be great. That's exciting. Hey Mike. Hey Raf. <laughs> uh, it's been a long time, so we're happy to have a Mike uh, part of this podcast episode today. So um, it's going to be great. Yeah. Excited to be here. Yeah, no, this is going to be a great episode. Let's get started, guys, with what we call the pre-show. Some quick hits of what's happening in the news. Um, Raf, Mike, I don't know if you guys had the chance to see this, but Amanda Seyfried, star of Les Mis and Mean Girls, she was on the the variety show Actor on Actor, and she mentioned that she was not, I guess she had some regrets about the work that she did in Les Mis and the and her vocals, and so on. She didn't feel like her vocals were up to par. Lamez was famous for Tom Hooper filming filming them singing live and, and not pre-recorded. And so maybe let's start with, um, did you guys see Lamez? Do you guys have any feelings about the way that the singing parts were done in this movie? Raph, uh, <laughs> big fan of Lamez? I guess the musical I am. I mean, the movie was okay. I just found it really exhausting. And I think that comes with being a three and a half hour film that's consistent. I mean, like, it's literally the entire movie is sung through, right? So, um, you know, I I just found it a bit much for Tom Hooper to go around and saying, hey, guys, we shot this live. These are live (laughs) takes. This is amazing, right? Um, And now I'm looking back at, you know, Amanda, even Russell Crowe, who sounds like he's huffing, puffing half the time. (laughs) You know, I, I feel like maybe it was a burden to them. Um, and I think maybe that's where Amanda looks back on it and says, uh, I'm really, I'm not really that happy with my performance. And I kind of get it. If I was in their shoes, I would kind of feel, you know, exhausted. Right. And, um, you know, with let, look at Hamilton um, or some of the Broadway shows, they, they have a cast album. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, they didn't really need to shoot it live. I don't know what he was going for. Maybe the emotion. Oh, yeah. I mean, even when I see when I've seen like what I've seen. OK, this is like. It's like a bad start for me, but what you've... 
<laughs> I've never Here seen like this. I've never seen like this. <laughs> so this is like okay. completely the wrong, like, you know what I mean? I'm the wrong guy to talk about this, but from what I have seen of like this, because I have seen clips online, I've seen the infamous meme of Russell Crowe looking out the window, like I mentioned to, to Raph earlier today. <laughs> what I've seen of like this, it seemed like exactly that. Like, I don't know why that choice was made to sing live on set, whether it was something to sort of push the envelope and, you know, try something new or, or, or what it, you know, whatever it may be. I know it's, it's been done in the past, mm-hmm. but it makes a lot of sense why she would maybe regret that considering that it, it seems like an odd choice to begin with. Oh, yeah. Especially when you don't have trained, you know, I guess art like musical artists being the ones, you know, belting out these songs. Yeah. Um, but it makes a lot of sense. And like like Rap said, the the this sort of uh, Russell Crowe stuff that, that came out of that movie was a little questionable. So I, I can totally understand where she's coming yeah. from. T- Tom Hooper is uh, the Russell Crowe meme looking out the window now. <laughs> <laughs> Reading this article looking out the window. Oh, man. I, I think what, and this is just my perception of it, I think there's always this attitude towards actors and whether or not they're actually singing or they're just being enhanced in a studio. And so what he wanted to prove was that, you know, his actors were putting in the work. And to me, what I remember about that movie is those damn close-ups to the lip just to show that they were actually singing. <laughs> and it's so distracting. I think it just kind of confuses what people want from the right. movie. Just, I'm a big just musical trying fan. so hard to prove that it was Yeah, real. yeah. And it's like unnecessary because when I watch a musical, what I want is for the mixing of the audio to be good. Right. And, and you know, another day we can talk about it. Like, But that's also what my complaint is about La La Land. Bruh. It could have done so much more in terms of like enhancing the voices. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. But anyways, it's a bit misguided, I think. I, I totally forgot. Sorry. I totally forgot, though. There's that. I think Eddie Redmayne has this song at Nearing the End of the Movie where it's just a close-up of him. And he's just like, he's belting it. He's belting it so hard. And he's just like... Uh. Empty tables. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be, or I don't need to be that close to the mouth of these actors exactly. in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> so guys, next up, I wanted to talk a little bit about what's been, I guess, happening on the internet. This Reddit buying stock, destroying hedge funds and Wall Street. One particular piece of this puzzle that has a bit of a movie angle is that, you know, among the stocks that people um, were buying to avoid short selling, et cetera, was AMC, the movie theater. And while there's still a lot to figure out about how the story is going to end, this particular action may have saved AMC from bankruptcy. Raf, what do you know? You know, well, I know you have a bank background and movie background. Oh my gosh. The perfect mix. Oh no. Well, I mean, the idea is that these hedge fund um, companies are like short selling these um, um, companies and um, at at a certain point their options expire and then they have to buy back the stock. And the idea is if the price is too high, they can't afford to buy back the stock so that they lose their positions, right? And now AMC, um, AMC, I think it was just last week where they, they, um, they blew up tremendously. There was a lot of volume. I think at one day they did about 1 billion shares traded in one day. Um, now, I mean, this is coming from me, who also invested in AMC, <laughs> to jump on this yeah. train. Um, Couldn't be more wrong. Yeah, it's a risky right, play, right but I, I mean, I, I'm going to throw away the, the finance part of it because let's, let's get back to the movies here. AMC has been saved. Um, I think today... They have officially reopened or their website is um, stating that some of the theaters are reopening 
um, after they have been saved from the bankruptcy. So I guess theater's not dead, and thanks to Reddit, they have a second uh, breath of life here. So I don't know. Mike, uh, have you tried to jump on this Reddit train? Honestly, okay, so I did jump on the Reddit trend just for just for a few days mm-hmm, last bro. week. You know, very, I, I don't do it. Uh, not a financial advisor, but I don't <laughs> don't do any day trading typically. Sure, but I saw the Wall Street Best posts. You know, Diamond Hands. I had to participate, so I took my ten bucks that I made, my lunch money. I bought lunch and I called it a day. That was about it. I'm happy to hear this because theaters, you know, through the pandemic, they're probably you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. AMC. You know, there's been articles for weeks now coming out how they were not expecting to last through on this, and yeah. and they were going to go go away for good. But this is this is only good news. It's it's I guess. You know, letting the theater survive another day, as well as sort of spitting in the face of some of these hedge funds that have been, uh, oh yeah, that have been raking money off of these companies failing for too long. So there's no downside to this in my eyes. For sure, Rod, have you jumped on this too? What's going on? I'm too poor to actually take part in this conversation. (laughs) If anyone has participated in one day, wants to send me some money or you know through PayPal or Venmo, hit me up on my Instagram. Yeah, (laughs) at the end of this episode. Happy to receive I'm it. I'm dying right now. Thanks, I mean, GameStop, GameStop is pretty low right now. You may want to get in. It's pretty, you know. Diamond hands. Diamond hard. hands. Diamond Let's hands. go. My Diamond perception hands. of Find this is that um, this, this is obviously the sequel to The Big Short, and we oh, still yes. haven't seen the end of this movie. So I don't think this movie is going to end well for no. everyone, and I don't know how it's That's ending yet. So we'll see. That's the fear. <laughs> On the topic of saving movies, Steven Spielberg wrote something for uh, Empire, the latest issue of Empire Magazine, and he talked a bit about um, whether the movies would die. His thoughts, I guess, on the movie experience going forward. And I want to read something to you guys and get your reaction. He said, We don't know who all these people are sitting around us, but when the experience makes us laugh or cry or cheer or contemplate, and then when the lights come up and we leave our seats, the people with whom we head out into the real world don't feel like complete strangers anymore. We become a community, alike in heart and spirit, or at any rate, alike in having shared for a couple hours a powerful experience. And so that's his perspective on it, and I think it's perfectly valid. But what I wanted to ask you guys before you think it's real or not, have you ever felt that? Going into a movie and feeling that connection and kinship with people around you? And if you did, what movie was it? Mike? Honestly, like there's so many that came to mind when I was reading through this, but the one that I'll give a shout out to is it's an it's an easy answer. But the first time I saw Avengers in theaters, the 2013 original one, the 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 amount of cosplay that was there and the amount of sort of hype that was in the theater building up to it. I've never experienced anything like that before. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I have even up until now, even afterwards. I think Dark Knight Rises got a little close. Um, I remember Raph and I were were talking about that a lot through university, how how much hype was going into that. And the theater before that movie was like, you know, it was like electric. You could just, you could feel it. But Avengers, the first time seeing it in theaters, by far, the circle shot at the end, everybody's cheering. And it was, I've never been to a theater like that before. It was crazy. I I agree. If I had to think a movie, it would probably that too. What about you, Raph? Do you have a different example or were you also... Was it also Avengers? No, I mean, 100%. I remember watching, I think I watched Avengers 1 with you, Rod. Probably. I think we went, I think we went to the Queensway and watched it in Toronto. Um, but anyway, um, no, I think one of the first times when I was, um, I guess, younger is, oh, younger, oh my God, was I even allowed to watch <laughs> this movie? I mean, I remember watching The Raid. 
And The Raid was an Indonesian action film that came out. And I, I remember bothering a bunch of my friends to go see it. And they were like, what, is, what are we watching? Well, it's not in English. And I said, okay, okay, let's go. Uh, I brought them all to Toronto. And it was sold out. And I swear to God, the energy in that theater was insane. I mean, with every fight scene, every mutilation, there was this huge yeah. cheer in the theater. And you could just feel that energy on all these film fans, martial art fans, really going at it. So, yeah, and I, I think Spielberg's right. I, I think that's what's missing um, these days with uh, uh, watching movies. Yeah. I know we could watch movies at home. I think there's Netflix Party. I think that's something that you could do where a bunch of your friends can talk you know on your computer but it's not the same no it's not the same and you know what it's just that even just if it's not a life-changing moment just just seeing a movie in the theater and the whole sort of process of you know the night out and all that stuff Mm -hmm. it it doesn't really match up with these sort of at-home releases it's nice to see stuff at home instead of waiting you know another year for a lot of these stuff yeah or a lot of these things have already been delayed Mm -hmm. but it doesn't it doesn't replace it at all in my eyes yeah i agree and I would even say that the Netflix party type things, they almost are worse. Uh, they're distracting oh, yeah. from the movie yeah, that definitely. you're watching instead of having like an organic yeah. feeling of what you're watching. You, know, you know that feeling You know that feeling where you go watch a movie and then you guys talk about it outside the theater and then you don't know when to leave yeah. because yes. everyone keeps standing that around? Moment. I miss yes. it. I miss, I miss it. it so much. And you know what that reminds <laughs> I literally was just thinking as you were saying that, I don't like any of these sort of you know, I shouldn't say don't like. That's rude. I'm not huge on any of these most recent sort of Kong Godzilla movies. Just into, like they are what they are. I'm not going to complain about them. Okay. But seeing them in a theater with your friends when when you oh know whoever gosh. wants to come is going to come and, and whoever doesn't want to see it is just going to stay home. It is the most entertaining experience <laughs> ever. Absolutely. Because you know exactly what you signed up for. You know exactly what you're 100%. sitting down to see. And it is what it is. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, and that's stuff, that? watching it on my phone on you know, on, on FaceTime with somebody or whatever, it maybe is just not no. the same. The There's way no Nolan intended? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Watching Dunkirk on my Apple Watch. <laughs> Truly. So let's leave it at that beautiful sentiment and to wrap up this part of the conversation. And before we go to our break, I wanted to bring up one last point. Raf, I know you're a big, uh, big fan of Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think it's been seven years since he passed away. Um, yeah, man. So I wanted to quickly... Which of his roles stand out to you? What, what are your thoughts on that? Philip Seymour is one of my favorite actors. I think at that point in his career, um, he was really, really, um, uh, I, I think his roles were so powerful and they're so, I don't know, he doesn't need to be a lead. He could be an amazing supporting actor and he could captivate um, anyone on screen. And I look back at obviously The Master, which I think is his greatest performance, but my, I remember watching him in Twister. Right, and watching him in Twister, and when he was um, what what, uh, what was it? I think they're at the Aunt Joe's, and then they were having the steaks and uh, potatoes for um, breakfast. <laughs> so memorable. And who doesn't like Philip Seymour? I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just trying to say that I miss him. Yeah. And I yeah. and I and I, you know, I, I'm sad that we wouldn't we can't see him um, in film and uh, where his career would have taken him today. Um, and it's you know it's really sad. So for sure. Um, Okay. Yeah. What about you, Mike? Any roles that stand Honestly, out? Honestly, the first one that comes to he's got so many like of these rap type, you know, artsy movies in his in his pocket, but you say rap type? <laughs> guy. <laughs> this guy loves the master talking to me about it for like two years straight. But <laughs> I know. <laughs> but uh yeah, you you know, I'm sure. But uh honestly what comes to mind as odd as it is is Mission Impossible Three. Mm-hmm. He's just he was so good in that movie. Mm-hmm. And the third one being sort of the turning point in that franchise anyway, yeah. for sort of elevating to what it became yeah. today. It's uh he was just 
he was unreal in that. I think like he he out somehow outshined Tom Cruise in his own. And that's movies, hard so. to beat because Tom that's Cruise is the man. <laughs> exactly, Tom Cruise is the man. So Uh-oh. it's got to be. I Mr. see Rodrigo Mar- right now. Rodrigo's <laughs> like boiling. No, I mean actually, to what you said, I agree with with that because I love Mission Impossible One. Did not love Mission Impossible Two. I was ready to be done. Yeah, yeah. That Mission was Impossible bad. Three really got me back into it. Oh yeah. I guess when I think of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, what I think of is probably the one that I first encountered him in, which was Patch Adams. I don't oh, know yeah. why that stands out to me, but I think yeah, I that's that. where, you know, that's what I relate to him in my mind. I think he's a great actor. He's definitely, he definitely had something unique. And you know, Hollywood is less for him not being there anymore. So, yeah, for all the listeners out there, if you can go watch something with Philip Seymour Hoffman this week and think of him. So, guys, when we come back, we're going to dive a little deeper into twin films. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Layered Butter is brought to you by Ola Translation. Raf, do you know any Spanish? No comprende Espanol. But if you had Ola Translation, you could comprende Espanol because Ola Translation is a Spanish translation agency that can help you translate anything you need into the world's fourth most spoken language. Mercy. Fourth most spoken, eh? What are, the, what are the other three, do you think? Three most spoken languages. Uh, I, I, I'm going to say Spanish, French... Can't Mandarin. Yes, I think Mandarin is right. I think probably English is there. I don't know. Oh my god, I forgot English. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, whether you're looking for advertising or you're looking to make a bigger impact in the Hispanic community or you need documents translated from Spanish to English, Ola Translation offers quick service and competitive prices. Ola Translation is offering layered butter listeners five percent off all their services across the board. Just use the code butter. Who doesn't like a deal, right, Raf? Butter! And we're back, guys. I don't know if you guys saw in the news, as we were talking a little bit earlier, uh, this whole Reddit, Wall Street stuff. Recently, it was announced that there are two movies that are being made about this situation. These recent events, even though we don't really know the ending of the story, there's already two movies being made. It got me thinking about twin films, so I was hoping we could have a little bit of a discussion. For people that may not know, twin films are movies that are released around the same time and kind of have the same theme, typically from two different studios. There's a wide variety of reasons why these things happen, and we can go into that later. But maybe let's start off with a quick question. When you guys think of twin films, what's the first one that comes to mind? Mike, what about you? I had two answers for this one, honestly. The first thing that comes to mind, so top, just to answer it the easiest way, it's got to be that Fire Festival pair of documentaries that yeah. came out oh, like two yeah. to three years ago, which is an odd pull. I don't know why it came to mind. It's just, it was so great to get both sides, mm-hmm. I guess, even just the amount One's of detail. One's a better one, one yeah. the other. <laughs> yeah, like it was just, there was so much info that came out and it was like, at the end, we won. Yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. For, for getting both. So They're both great. Comp- that yeah. one... That one scene with the man with the... <laughs> with the water? <laughs> yeah, with the water. The water. The water guy. Yeah. That one is... Uh, that lives in oh, my mind rent-free. <laughs> Absolutely. And which it's so like... It's just funny because you got the first one on Netflix or I don't know the order, whatever it may have released. But in Canada, because we don't have Hulu, mm-hmm. you had to find other ways to watch the Hulu one. Bruh. And 
Yeah. <laughs> and seeing the Hulu, seeing that there was a Hulu one after you saw the Netflix one, it was like bonus. Like, this is like extra <laughs> yeah, features. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So it was fantastic. But that's my uh, that's my quick top of the line. For answer. sure. Raf, what about you? What pair of films comes to mind? Um uh there was a oh Christopher Nolan's The Prestige and Edward Norton's The Illusionist. <laughs> <laughs> the most famous twin film. Okay, guys, come on. You ask me which one I think. No, that's about. fair. That's no, I'm, fair. I'm, 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 I'm saying because it's very, like I agree. That's the, that came to my mind too. Mm-hmm. Why is everything I say have to be rude? Oh, okay, fine. And Raph, let me ask you. I guess my follow up question: Which one of the two do you enjoy more? Uh, the Prestige. <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, uh, and th- that's the cool thing, or I guess unique thing about this. Some of these twin films. I think um, inherently we're going to look back at these two films um, that may have come out at around the same time, whether a year apart or the same year, and then we're going to say, okay, we're going to obviously compare them and see which one's better. I've seen both, but this the Prestige was the first one I saw, and I and I preferred it more. And I don't know if it's whether. The film itself is much better, or maybe I, it's biased because I saw it first. So I'm relating to that one first. You know what I mean? So, yep. so on what Raf just said, Mike, do you think that watching one affects your perception of the other? Like, does it depend which one you watch first? You know, it's it as unfortunate as it is, the answer is yes. I think if you've seen <laughs> one, then you're only going to compare the other one to it. You know, it's hard to not do that. Even if you're doing it subconsciously, you are still comparing it. With The Prestige, I actually saw The Illusionist first. Oh, and okay. uh, Yeah, because I was just, you know, out of the loop, I guess, at the time. But uh, The Prestige is, is just superior. I agree with Raph. So I'm not, uh, I'm, I, I'm not too sure if it's, if it's the sort of the rule every time that that it's the first or or whatnot but it it depends really if uh you know depends on your bias going into it i guess yeah yeah and what about for the fire festival which one did you enjoy more i that that one's strange too because they were so similar i mean if i had to choose one to watch over it probably the netflix one i think it was paced a little bit better from what i remember that's that's the water one right that's that's yeah the water guy that was the water guy (laughs) and it has the most memes in it so i think (laughs) it maybe has the most memes because it was just on netflix and you know it's more it's more global but the the netflix one i think was just paced a bit better typically whatever i find whenever there's any twin films whatever's paced a bit better has the better acting in it that's what wins yeah yeah, I agree. And so I guess let's talk a little bit about specifically twin films. As I mentioned earlier, they happen for a variety of reasons. The perception is sometimes it's that it's industrial espionage. You know, what it's one studio seeing what the other one's doing and trying to make their own version. Bamboozle them. <laughs> Getting bamboozled. Another explanation is that it deals with things that are topical, like the fire Festival. So things that are happening in that moment or like the Wall Street stuff yeah. now, seeing what's happening. They want to get their story, their version of it, right? So I guess my question, why do you think it happens? Um, what, could both of these things be true? Or do you think one is more inclined to be true? Raf, you're, you're a little bit more inside this. So what do you think? I, I don't really have a great answer for you because I don't really know. Like I, I, I'm looking through some of the lists of some of these films and mm. 2005 had flight plan and red eye. And <laughs> I didn't even realize that until looking, they came out in the exact same year. Yeah. And then there's films like the cave and the descent. I don't know if it's, I, I, I think you bring up a great point about, in, uh, you know, industrial or um, espionage in the sense that, you know, rival studios want to uh cash in on a topic or they have a similar idea Mm -hmm. um uh i i I don't know you know why this happens or uh, how this can occur i i really don't have an answer for you and that makes me 
bamboozled. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, no, no, that's a great question. I really don't know. I think yeah. the curious part too is that movies are sometimes finished and not released immediately, right? right. So not mm-hmm. only that they saw maybe somebody's script, script, and they thought, let's do the same movie, but rather this magician movie is killing it right now. Let's release our magician movie that we had thought not to release yet. And, you know, we can kind of tie it in correctly. Yep. What about topical films? Do you guys think that having two films about the same subject, does it, is it detrimental to the storytelling? Like, does it start uh, diluting the, the topic that they're covering? Or do you think there's strength in, in the subject for example, let's go back to the Fire Festival. Mike, do you think, I guess the question is, can you exploit a topic so much that yeah, it becomes boring? That, that it becomes boring. I mean, I think that it can be done if the subject itself is boring. Mm-hmm. But if it's just as crazy as that whole extravagant sort of idea was, yeah. I don't think it's 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 possible. If anything, if they released a third one, I'd be watching it right now, to be honest. So, <laughs> I was about to ask. Yeah, I, I So think- a third one would be too much. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's just, it depends on the topic. It can definitely be detrimental to it if you're sort of rinsing and repeating the same formula. Mm-hmm. But if you're switching it up enough that it, it's shining new light onto something, or even if it's, exp- like, I guess, giving you stuff that the other one purposely left out, if you're covering a whole yeah. different side of it, maybe you have a bias towards one, you know, art is still made by people who have biases. So if, if you have a bias towards one side of something versus the other, and getting both sides from two different two different pieces of content is... uh is a win in my eyes. I mean, I, I think that that's really interesting, but um, let's say there's three films that are on a fictional, sorry. Yeah. A fictional storyline. So I, I, let's say there were three fire documentaries, right. Mm-hmm. Then you'll get three different perspectives potentially. Sure. But yeah. let's say you're doing, I don't know, like let's go back to red eye and flight plan. And there's another, um, there's a third one. Does it get boring in that sense? Um, I think if you have three similar films around the same year um, that are fiction, then yes. I think if you're looking at documentaries, um, maybe a new perspective can come out and uh, one of them will be really interesting. And that reminds me, hey, Rodrigo, we were talking about this maybe a while ago, but sorry, Mike, I'm shutting you out here. No. <laughs> but, um, I have a good thing to say when you're done. The Nexium stuff, right? There's two documentaries on TV right now, too. Yeah. One of them should have been like half the length. Oh, 100%. Sorry, HBO. I'm a huge HBO <laughs> fan here, but um, that one is way too long and they've announced it for a second season. I don't know. Incredible. Why. That's too funny. <laughs> Mike, what I, were you uh, going to add there? No, I was going to say. For some reason, like Raph, when you said that if there was a third flight plan movie, I was thinking, I was thinking, I can't wait for the flight plan cinematic universe. So this is gonna be there's just all these flights with all these problems. Oh my god! And it, it, you know what? If there's three, like the answer is just yes. It's diluted. If there's three, yeah, oh yeah, it just yeah. has to be. Yeah, because right? at that point, it's just if it's not a sequel, like what's happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah. Especially if it's uh, not within the same time period, and you waited yeah. a while, and then you decide to. It's release so something mm-hmm. yeah. yeah guys i was gonna ask uh what you think the next pair of twin films was going to be but we kind of already know the answer so instead i'm gonna give you a quick synopsis of what these two will be and you will touch tell me which one you think you're, oh. is more exciting mm-hmm. for this wall street stuff they're saying that there's two versions coming out mgm and netflix the mgm version is going to be based on a book that hasn't been written yet by Ben Mesrick, who wrote The Accidental Billionaires, which went on to inspire The Social Network. 
And so this new book is going to be called The Antisocial Network. That's one. That's the MGM one. The Netflix one is trying to get Mark Bull, the the screenwriter and producer of okay. The Hurt Locker, and they seem to have an actor attached, which is Noah Centineo, a star Netflix of some shows, of these right? kind of young yeah. rom-coms yeah. on Netflix. So of those two, which one sounds more exciting to you, Raf? I, I want to go with The Accidental Billionaires just because – Aaron Sorkin made that an amazing script. Mm-hmm. And I and I feel that uh, maybe the content of that book, I never read The Accidental Billionaires, but that content of that um, um, book was um, meaty enough and really strong that, you know, someone like Sorkin can adapt it and do it really well. The interesting part about the other one, Noah, I, I don't know too much of him to really make a judgment, but Mark Bowl um, uh, did Zero Dark Thirty and The Heart Locker. So I think he, he has an interesting resume, um, but I'm probably going to lean towards accidental billionaires for that one. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I'm kind of right there with Rav. Honestly, I think that if if this is the route that they're going to go with the uh, with MGM, you may end up getting sort of a, a Jobs versus Steve Jobs type. Oh, uh, yeah. Is that what it was? Was it Jobs yeah, and Steve Yeah, it was Ashton Kutcher versus Fastbender. Yeah, and, I just can remember uh, the name. Yeah, Jobs was the Ashton one, right? And then Steve Jobs was the Sorkin. Was, yeah, the Sorkin yeah. one, which was amazing. Yeah, that's the problem. Is like you, you hate you. I mean, I'd, I'd hope that they're both good in their own ways. Maybe they cover different sure. stuff. One tries to be the more sort of you know filmic, cinematic type thing, and one's more straight to Netflix. Just just get the story out there, sort of thing. So you never know. Yeah. But uh, the way I I just from reading those two off the top of my head, I'd probably have to lean with MGM. Yeah. Just from the way it sounds, if they got because net, you know what's going to happen is next week you're going to get the announcement that Sorkin's writing it, then you're going to get Trent Reznor in, and then you're going to, oh you know, what I mean? and then it's like now we just have the Social Network too. It's like, you know, unreal. <laughs> the sequel so, that we were asking the for. The sequel that we always wanted. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, I'm kind of with you guys there. That um, I think the MGM one sounds a little more exciting, at least for now. I do wonder if uh, that producer is attached though to the Netflix one, if they might get like Catherine exactly, Bigelow to direct. Yeah. Suddenly yeah. you have a competition. So we'll see, yeah. guys. Before we wrap up our conversation on twin films, um, or rather, instead of talking about twin films, I want to bring up a different thing. You know, the double feature. So not two films about the same thing, but two films that you kind of watch at the same time. So let's start off. When was the last time you watched two movies in one night and thought it was a good match? Raf, do you have something? I <laughs> This is going to kill you guys. But I think the last physical double feature I watched was The Muppets with Jason Segel and Amy Adams. And guess what the second one is? Forgetting Sarah Marshall, please. Nobody. It was one week with Marilyn. <laughs> I was going to say, because at least in forgetting Sir Marshall, he sort of leaned into the Muppet thing. Please let no, it be that. It was two very different movies, and <sighs> that was a crazy night. So, I mean, yeah. the Muppet Sorry, was better. Walk me through this. Just First crazy. of all, are you saying in your house you chose these two no, movies? No, no, no. This was the last physical time I went to a movie theater and, and did a double feature. And I'm trying to think of the last time I watched a movie, even at home, where I watched two movies in a row. Mm-hmm. But Halfway through the second one, I'm asleep. So I don't think it's going to work out. <laughs> An old man. What about you, Mike? What's yeah. uh, When's the last time you watched two movies in one night? Honestly, like through through the pandemic, there's literally nothing else to do on weekends. So I catch myself doing double features most Saturdays. <laughs> Good for you, but, buddy. Uh, yeah, but we try to keep it light. What we do is essentially, you know, start with a drama that somebody wants to watch, the one that's been hard, hard hitting. And yeah. then you finish it with a comedy. That's how it works. So, you know, you, 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 you get your heart rate elevated and then you bring it back down. 
There you go. Yeah, so that's what so I was going to ask. So there is some yeah. planning involved in perfecting the double feature experience. There is. I think there is some planning in getting the perfect double feature. I don't think that it's it's really necessary to do it that way. I just find that it's yeah. it's the most entertaining when you don't have to be you know eyes like wide open for six hours straight. Yeah, you can sort of you know let the second one and doze off through it. But I did the weirdest double feature actually last weekend. We did oh, um we did First Man because I hadn't seen it since theaters. So oh, the yeah, Ryan yeah, Gosling, yeah. you know, Damien Chazelle's First Man, yeah. yeah. And then finished it with uh, the Way Way Back, a like coming of age movie from 2013. Oh, Steve Carell, right? Yeah, yeah, the Steve Carell <laughs> one. It's just like the 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 sort of mix that we had going on there was it made no sense, but it was fine. You know, one minute we're cr- we're crying over Ryan Gosling, and the next minute. I'm just hating Steve Carell. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows what's coming next, you know? There you go. Okay, guys, I think that's smart. That's the right way to do it. Before we wrap up our main feature conversation, I want to end light. I want you to think about your favorite movie and then tell me what movie you would pair it with to have a perfect viewing experience. Raf, let's go to you first. I'm guessing from a couple of episodes ago, what did you say your favorite movie was? The Mummy? (laughs) I can't believe you brought back The Mummy. We have people telling us to stop talking about The Mummy. Brendan Fraser. Okay, let's go with The Mummy then. What would you pair with The Mummy? And you can't say The Scorpion King or anything in The Mummy Cinematic Universe. You know what? Uh, Oh, man. Am I going to really? I don't want to go and say Independence Day. Make, because I'm lame. I mentioned that before. Those two movies are really two strange double feature. Yeah, but it's amazing. <laughs> it makes sense. It makes you know as you said it. It made a lot of sense. I was like, that's pretty smart, actually. Yeah. I, I would probably say Independence Day and The Mummy, or I would probably do The Mummy and something like Armageddon, where I, I think we have these. Um, I don't know. I, I'm a big fan of disaster movies, and I think watching that, you know, back to back, you have an adventure film, and then you have a disaster film. Um, and then you see humanity survive. <laughs> I don't know. I, again, that's a Saturday night for me if I'm not falling asleep and yeah. I, I'm enjoying it. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. And you know what? There's no wrong answers here. Mike, what about you? Let us know first, I guess, what your favorite movie is and then what you would pair it with. My favorite movie, it's always sort of up <clears throat> being like, it, it's a running favorite. Mm-hmm. I, I hate to put the label favorite on it because it's it's it's, it's usually it's a bit biased towards the most, you know, right. my most favorite thing I've seen recently all right. time. I'd have to probably go social network. That's probably not nice. one. Just, okay. just everything about it. But recently, honestly, 1917 from like a year or two years ago, it was just, it blew, it was, it was mind blowing yeah. to me. So, but to pair with it, like, what do you pair with a war movie about a guy who has to go through all this, you know, this hardship I mean, alone? Like, yeah, like, I, I don't do know. I just I watch super bad after like, <laughs> <laughs> something light i like the idea of doing a pairing of like a star is born and pop star oh okay <laughs> pop oh, that, star yeah that one. would just be like you know when you take the serious version and then just slap it with the, the slapstick version right after it but with with social network or, or 1917 you have to go something light after maybe like i don't know the other guys or office space or something something to keep it easy how about you rod well, my favorite movie is Children of Men. And typically yeah. when I watch Children of Men, I, I go into this uh, Clive Owen mode. I want to see him in more stuff. I feel like he's kind of disappeared. can't remember the last thing I've seen him in. And when I typically, what I, or what I typically end up watching is Sin City, oh, just to kind of continue. Yeah. That's what I do. What I would recommend other people do if they want to watch some Clive Owen movies. The first Sin City. Yeah. Yeah. The other one's trash. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we don't talk That's about where the I land. One. Interesting. 
I'm going to give some of these pairings a try and I will let you know which one worked, which one didn't. I, I have a, a favorite right now, but we'll see. <laughs> We're going to keep this uh, open. Guys, when we come back, we are going to have film club and then we're going to give our hot butter takes for this week before wrapping up. So we'll tackle all that, but we'll be back in a sec. Ralph, what do you do when you want to tell a compelling story? Sorry, before you answer, the answer is video. Do you like video? video? We love video. Video is quickly becoming one of the most important mediums out there. It's a key part of any content strategy, and we have great advice for you. Listen up, Raf. If you're looking for video, go to Big Pig Co. <laughs> Big Pig aims to produce work that is engaging, different, interesting, and essentially not boring. Who wants to be bored, Raf? Do you want to be bored? Nope. Right? So, in fact, they started because we they felt that they could create content that wasn't traditional and therefore provided more value to their clients. So, if you want to learn more about them, find out more at bigpigco.com. Bigpigco.com. And we're back. We're going to do our film club as usual. Raf, this week, I was thinking since Philip Seymour Hoffman had passed away on this day, the day that we're recording seven years ago, you could perhaps recommend people that are not as familiar with him as an actor, um, a, a, a movie of his that you think is worth checking out. So what film would you recommend? You know what? Why don't we make things interesting? Let's do a double feature of Philip Seymour Hoffman wow. here. Nice. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> um, nice. Um, why don't we start really heavy and hard? And let's go with Doubt. Um, Doubt, I think, is a phenomenal performance by mm-hmm. Philip Seymour Hoffman. And it has an amazing cast. Amy Adams, Meryl Streep, and I think Viola Davis, who was sure. nominated, I think, for a 15 minutes of screen time or whatnot. Yeah. It was very limited screen time. But um, Doubt, um, it's about a, a, a priest who um, is accused for doing something naughty. Um, and um, it kind of – there's a ripple effect throughout the um, – um, the clergy and the the school that he's mm-hmm. working at. Um, so doubt has an amazing performance. That's my first one. And why don't we cool things off and do almost famous, which Lovely. is where he plays the very famous Lester Bangs. Um, and this is a film uh, who's a journalist, a music journalist. So if you're into film, sorry, film into music um, and um, uh, Rolling Stone um, and, and I guess rock and roll back in the like the seventies and sixties, um, uh, Philip steals every scene that he's in, and it's a wonderful, wonderful performance. Um, check it out. So, yeah, that's my my two my two films. Let's go, um, you know, very serious with doubt, and let's rock and roll with uh, Almost Famous. For sure, Almost Famous uh, also has one of the most iconic uses of, of music. I know I said that about Stars Are Blind, uh, so maybe my cred here is a little <laughs> bit uh, diminished, but I do think that their use of Tiny Dancer oh, is amazing. Okay, let's not. For sure. But, you know. Mike, have you, seen, <laughs> have you seen either of these movies? Do you like these, Rex? Are you endorsing them? I uh, No, I, I can I can side with doubt. I've I've seen that before. It's it's fantastic. So my, um, I mean, there's nothing more really to say than what, what Raph Hardy, than what Raph Hardy covered. So I'm a plus one on that. I haven't seen Almost Famous. His, yeah, I haven't seen his other recommendation, Almost Famous, but uh, that's that's more of something I was trying to keep to myself. So thanks for dragging, <laughs> <laughs> dragging that out to me. Yeah, it's it's not like an iconic out. movie or anything like that. You know, yeah. it's pretty, pretty under the radar. I mean, it's a cult, check cult it out. Classic. Let us know what you think and then we'll include yeah, your thoughts absolutely. on a, a different but, uh, episode shadow too long came Polly. philip seymour hoffman <laughs> mm-hmm. 
just the five scenes that he had. Fantastic. That, that, that is very a memorable. Philip Seymour Hoffman thing where he comes in. He's like John Bernenthal, where he yes. would have like a couple of scenes in a movie, steal the show, and then steals disappear. it. Fan, like I don't even know why I remember. I remember every scene he was in. I don't remember anything else from that movie. Yeah, <laughs> he's just fan, he's fantastic. When I think of him, too, another movie that comes to mind is Synecdoche, New York. Oh my! Even gosh. though I didn't fully love that movie, it's just I guess burned in my brain. Yeah, you know the the relationship it's between those two. And free <laughs> guys, it is time for my favorite part of the episode. Let's do it. It's time for the hot butter takes. I'm going to start off. It is, uh, when we're recording this, it's February 2nd. When you guys listen to it, it'll probably be a little bit later, February 7th, maybe. It's February is Black History Month. And I think my take that the best thing that you can do this month to celebrate Black History Month is to do a lot less. People are always doing too much, thinking that, you know, their little square on Instagram is contributing or revolutionizing race relations. And the truth is that if you are not black and you want to do something special for Black History Month, the best thing that you can do is just stop talking, stop putting your voice out there and listen. Go read books by black authors. Go watch movies by black directors and that, you know, tell black stories and highlight black voices. I recommend Judas and the Black yeah, Messiah. Man. I haven't seen it yet, but yep. everything that I've read about it shows that it is a strong movie about black people that doesn't involve white people coming in and save the day. And I think that's what we need more of. If you want to support and kind of learn from other people, be quiet and listen is my hot take. Mike, why don't we go to you? Why don't, what is your hot take for the week? What's on your mind? Good luck okay. following that up. <laughs> No pressure. I have some of the dumbest hot takes that I've ever thought of written down here. My official one that I was going to come up with and that I was going to bring forward it was is it's kind of a mix of a question and a hot take. Has right. it's it's not a movie, which is my my one sort of you know wrongdoing. It's a TV show. Fair enough. Has there has it perfect? Has there ever been any sort of cultural zeitgeist? surrounded in everything that society has, has to has 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 thought about or or mimicked in pop culture anything that has quickly fallen off a cliff as much as game of thrones oh my gosh yeah, yeah. i think uh season seven is uh what even is the season seven i was just having this conversation with a mutual friend with yeah, Raph. it's literally once a month once a month andrew like, perucho, the founder of layered butter <laughs> andrew perucho founder of layered butter we were having this conversation he was saying that joffrey really carried that show and when he died it was done and i was like first of all okay you have amnesia because i remember you being in my house 9 p.m sharp for season seven premiere yes. maybe you didn't like season seven but don't pretend you didn't enjoy the show between nope. joffrey dying and season seven there was right? still the hype up until season there was that hype even in season set you're like you know what maybe they're doing this on purpose <laughs> maybe this is intentional and you're sitting there week to week and they weren't doing it on purpose and then that's what it was and no show in my opinion or even no, no movie nothing that has been as so culturally significant as game of thrones has as quickly fallen off the cliff it's not talked about it's not referenced it's nowhere it's gone <laughs> it's right? It's fallen off the cliff so much that it dragged another show with it, right? Weren't they going to do like a Targaryen? That's right. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was that's like another right. show. I, I think there's one that's they're, they're still doing. But there's part of it. Yeah, her show got canceled. Yeah, yeah. Even that Benioff and, and Weiss Star Wars thing that was supposed to happen, and that's what everyone complained about it being the reason for. Like, what happened? Yeah, <laughs> like, you know what I mean. That, that, I mean, like, yeah, it was just it was nuts. That whole so that's my. Find it together. Are both our hot takes? Benioff and Weiss were going to do a show about like what if the other side won the civil yeah. war for a while, right? And uh, yeah, got some heat. 
which which Fun sucks because that would have been a, that sounds super cool. Alternate yeah. history stuff is always awesome, so that sounds super cool. What about you, Raf? What are you thinking this week? Bring us home. All right. Actually, I think I know what you were going to say, and you told me that we should give here? a spoiler warning. Know. So, yeah, so Raph has a spoiler. If, um, if you're excited about upcoming movies this year, maybe just skip all the way to the end. Okay. So, I think two weeks ago uh, or so, um, the new trailer for Kong versus Godzilla <laughs> came out. <laughs> okay, stop. <laughs> but listen, here, here's a movie <laughs> roasted by our guest host this week. But, okay. I'll be there day one. The, I, there you go. So you have an amazing premise where you have, you know, two kaijus go fighting against each other. And then when you watch this trailer, these Reddit sleuths have just found that in the opening sequence of the trailer, there seems to be Mecha Godzilla in there. So here's my take. If you're going to make a movie that has Godzilla versus Kong, why the f*** are you going to have a mod, like a human created monster fighting in between them? <laughs> like, come on, just let them fight it out. Like, I, I don't want them to fight each other, and then 10 minutes later, they're just going to be like, okay, guys, we're, we're, we're good. We have to fight the real monster, which is man. Yeah. No yeah. thanks. You know that's going to be the third act, too. Ugh. You, you can see it now. Hot take to layer right. onto oh, your God. hot takes. <laughs> if you are going to include Mecha Godzilla, why include him in the trailer? Yeah, like, there you go. Not even in the trailer, but like you have to flash freeze the trailer <laughs> to see him for like one second. So the spoiler is out there, but not enough to add anything to the narrative in the trailer. And it's like, yep. I don't know. It's a bizarre choice. Yeah, they, I don't have, know. They, they have that issue, though. It's it's too common, unfortunately, where they give you the whole third act in the, mm-hmm. you know, as a tease in the trailer. And you're like, oh, maybe that's not all it's going to be. And it, it, it is all it's going to be. But <laughs> <laughs> you find that out the hard way. But no, I, I, I agree. It's it's something that, unfortunately, most of these kaiju and disaster movies can't get away from is that they think that the human, well, I understand the need for the human element. It, you need yeah. to make the audience sure. give, give yeah, a shit about it. something. But it, it's, why? it's it, it, why? You know, Godzilla just let Kong, big things fight. Just I let want. big things fight. That's it. It's cool. Not enough. to be a nihilist, but uh, I think in this day and age where you know climate change and everything, it's hard not to think of humanity as For the villain. Sure. I get in it. A kind of yeah. a conversation where nature is involved. Before we end, quick question: You can explain however much you want. You don't have to. Who do you think was going to win? Kong, Godzilla, Raph. Let's go to you. <laughs> it's. King, King Kong. No, no, not King Kong. Sorry. Godzilla. <laughs> I was going to say, wow, that was no, the opposite of what I was expecting. There's like, this meme. It's, he it's shoots like, lasers. It's out of his, like, like how, he's got a laser and then you have a monkey. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's just monkey and Godzilla. <laughs> okay. It, it, I, think, I think that's fair. I will, I guess, provide the counter argument, even though I am technically team Godzilla. I would say Godzilla, uh, sorry, King Kong has opposable <laughs> thumbs and can use tools. And, you know, like, I guess He's that's where he like has an advantage. And like, yeah. yeah, he can grab onto things. He can understand how to use them. If we're talking about dexterity, them. I agree. The, the, the dexterity of King Kong is probably unrivaled by Godzilla. However, sure. in brute force, it's Godzilla. There's, no, there's, no, there's just no comparison. Like, he, it's, yeah, it is what <laughs> it is. Be- Fireball him away, you know. How can you get close? Just, just wait until the movie actually comes out. My entire free show is going to be all that. Okay. I love how in the trailer too, he has like Mjolnir, King Kong. He's like wielding Thor's hammer. Like this is just going to be the craziest (laughs) fight. Like it costs a billion. It costs a billion dollars. It must. Like (laughs) they're destroying cities. Yet Mechagodzilla, here he comes. But anyway, I'll I'll just you know. 
yeah we'll see we'll see how it ends up playing out maybe when it does come out we'll have a another conversation about this <laughs> about who won the fight <laughs> guys that's it for this week um remember if you're listening to this go to layeredbutter.com pre-order our ghibli issue and if you did pre-order our nolan one just a reminder Keep an eye out for an email so you can add your name to the book. You can always find Layered Butter on social media at Layered Butter on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, where Facebook.com slash Layered Butter. You can find me on all social media at rcocting, R-C-O-K-T-I-N-G. Raf, where can people find you? J. Rafael Cordero, uh, J-R-A-F-A-E-L-C-O-R-D-E-R-O. <laughs> okay. Oh, and Mike, grabbing. where can people find you? I have everything through I <laughs> I don't know why I didn't bring this up earlier, but everything that I have is linked on mikebenna.com. So there you go. Check that out YouTube, Instagram, all that stuff. Go check them out. Great chat. Thank you for joining us this week. And Thanks, we will Mike. It's see good to you have next time. Buddy guys, part of this. Fantastic. Absolutely. No problem. Thank this you for great. joining us. Thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you next week. Bye. Later. Later. Later.